everyone and welcome to the Greenhouse Environmental Humanities Book Talk series. Uh, I'm Finar Jørgensen. I'm Dali Jørgensen. And we are joined today by Anna Barch from, um, let's see here, uh, who's assistant professor at the Institute of Literary Research at the Polish Academy of Sciences. Uh, and she will be talking with us uh, about her new book, uh, environmental cultures in Soviet East Europe, literature, history, and memory, which came out in with Bloomsbury in 2020. Uh, so we're very glad to have you with us, Anna, for this, which is the last book talk of the academic year for us. Uh, we'll talk more afterwards about what's coming, but uh, I think this is a great end to a pretty busy semester. So uh, I'm just going to leave the floor to you, Anna. Thank you very much for inviting me, and I, uh, I'm happy to see uh, some uh, friends and colleagues uh, from different parts of the world, so welcome you all. And uh, yes, this is a great opportunity for me, um, uh, because of pandemics, uh, this book, uh, in fact, did not have any uh, um, let's say, any event, there was no book launch, in fact, and, uh, and I only uh, communicated that I published this book uh, between uh, my, my friends. So, so I guess, you know, I'm not sure if, uh, if, if you are aware of it. Uh, I mean, my dear host, that uh, this is for me like a bit like a big, uh, like a book launch. Uh, so, um, but um, uh, but I'm, I, I will. Uh, I decided that I will present it, uh, the structure, and I will tell you something about um, why I also choose to publish uh, with this series because I think this might be quite interesting. It's a it's a really strong and very interesting uh, series in uh, Bloomsbury. But, um, uh, so this is my third book, uh, the second in English, and uh, I didn't move very far from my interest because I am an um, eco-critic and uh, I um, uh, first, my, 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 my main field, and uh, this is maybe the reason why I move between also disciplines is philosophy, this is my MA, and I'm very faithful to philosophy and uh, to asking uh, questions, um, and not always particularly giving uh, um, extensive answers, but for me, questions and problems are something that, that guide me throughout my work. So uh, I landed in literary scholarship in eco-criticism quite late when I was doing my PhD, in fact, in the institute that I am now in Warsaw. Uh, in Polish Academy of Sciences, and uh, I thought first that uh, because my first book was in Polish, it was about uh, eco-critical context, uh, looking for the most powerful eco-critical text in Polish literature, and I thought that maybe this can be uh, that this uh, uh, Bloomsbury series, which offered also uh, some case studies like eco-criticism and Italy. I thought that maybe this book will be, you know, uh, uh, devoted to, to Polish uh, culture. But when I started, uh, I started working on uh, on on this uh, on environmental cultures in Soviet East Europe. I think uh, around five years ago, and uh, 
just this topic, you know, it started to uh, it started to develop, and uh, and it and I and I also I was encouraged by the editors that uh, that perhaps uh, that perhaps Poland, in case of environmental cultures, can be maybe somehow uh, there are some parallels in the region, and this was very I would say adequate to what I did in this book. Because, uh, um, in fact, uh, uh, eco-criticism, um, even in Polish literature, has, such ha has some phenomena that are, I would call them, social-cultural or social-historical phenomena that you can, uh, that you can find uh, uh, in the Central Eastern European region. Uh, so the series uh, um, Environmental Cultures is, uh, is really a very, I would say, um, not buggy maybe, but spacious enough series to, um, uh, uh, to, uh, to have uh, such, uh, uh, to ask such questions about the problems of representing environments but also reading environments from the historical and from the environment from the environmental critical perspective, because uh, uh, this uh, series and I'm uh, as I said it's uh, uh, I think it's it's really very adequate to my uh, mindset and to my uh, uh, how I uh, how I like to work with uh, sources is that I was able to, um, to move between uh, literature because uh, the sources uh, uh, of literature are very important for this book and I will come back to it. But I was able to move between literature, history and memory. And I think it was very important for me to hybridize and to try to, um, uh, uh, to launch some kind of experiment also in this book uh, that I will come back uh, uh, in a minute. Um, so what maybe you would like to, to, to see and uh, the, 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 the material book is, uh, so this is the, uh, so this is this, the series, uh, this is the cover and uh, this series has, uh, a special layout, uh, but uh, I was also asked to, to choose a, a picture and you know that, you know, the, the book has to have, you know, strong uh, cover, but uh, because this book, I think, is mainly, you know, it's a sad book, so this cover is also, is also sad, and um, uh, there is not much, you know, um, sense of humor that I could, you know, infuse uh, into my narrative, I mean, irony, yes, but, uh, uh, but uh, humor uh, is a bit uh, uh, problematic and, uh, and, uh, and uh, uh, because of the period, because of the, of the events. So um, I don't have much time, but I definitely would like to tell you that perhaps there are two approaches uh, um, uh, to this book uh, that I can share with you <laughs> uh, with some, uh, having some distance uh, um, that uh, the first one and uh, these approaches probably could uh, 
say something about my concept. That, so the first one is uh, when you open the book, you probably um, uh, look uh, at the table of contents, yes? So in the table of contents, uh, you can definitely see the structure. Um, there are five parts. The first part is, uh, uh, is a, I would call it a toolkit. So I'm, I'm, I share with, it's not, a, I, I'm not sure if it's methodology, but I am, uh, but I am, uh, this, I am trying to explain myself from uh, moving between the fields, between uh, history, memory, and literature. And, uh, and I think the key word for this part one is border. And uh, bor uh, the border as uh, state border, political border, economical border, that I think it's not relevant anymore for uh, how I'm trying to retell uh, um, uh, the environmental uh, history and culture of the Soviet Eastern Europe. So this is uh, this is uh, this part one is probably the most meta, uh, meta uh, uh, part, the most theoretical, and uh, you can find their questions about the narrative and uh, what uh, and the, the and I think it's it's probably the most polemic part also. And I also disclose the reason that um, uh, I was uh, uh, one of the um, one of my let's say motivations for uh, going beyond Poland, going beyond even Central Eastern Europe, and extending and looking at sources from Russia, for example, but Russia not as a giant, but Russia as uh, in fact, uh, broken into uh, Ukraine, Belarus, and other uh, Soviet republics, is that I was I was exhausted in a way of reading the repetitive story of Soviet Russia as a story of environmental history of ecocide or story of uh, environmental disaster and uh, mostly written by uh, Anglo-American historians. So, so the first part is, uh, uh, as I said, is a, uh, the, um, provides some uh, tools and I explain them, but I also, I also share with, uh, with uh, my polemics with environmental history, with the landscape of environmental history regarding uh, Soviet uh, um, Europe. And then from part two to part five, I, uh, these parts I devote to, and this is in the table of contents, you can see that the titles, I guess, are quite important because I try to catch, to, to, uh, to grasp the uh, social cultural phenomena for what is, I would say, more than environmental history. Maybe we can, it's, it's hard even to use maybe the concept of environmental humanities, but it's something that, the, uh, that uh, is uh, connected with what does it mean the archive in, an, in Eastern Europe, that it's the landscape, the environment, but also 
all these traumatic events and changing borders and, uh, and everything would happen before the Soviet period because Soviet giant will, would not, in fact, uh, be, uh, be so disastrous and so catastrophic for environments uh, uh, and we would not understand it uh, without uh, knowing what was before. So you have, so you have those, uh, those parts. Part two is uh, the uh, tired village. This is the, the phenomena of peasantry that was somehow broken uh, in, in the Soviet period. And, uh, and this is the tra tra tragedy of collectivization. And in part three, you have the phenomena of mining, but mining not only understood as looking for uh, coal and uh, uranium, because Soviets were, of course, interested in it and their colonization uh, of uh, Soviet republics and Soviet satellite countries uh, were connected with uh, um, extensive mining industry, but Mining also um, in my book is about layering the narrative, is also about, uh, in fact, looking for poetics of how to capture the complexities be uh, uh, between uh, uh, what, we, what we've already known from, um, uh, from industrial uh, uh, history and environmental uh, uh, history or political history but uh, about how to, in fact, layer the, um, uh, the, 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 the archives that were affected. So it's not only humans, uh, but uh, it's also about the mountains, it's also about the earth and the real material holes that Soviets left here in this region. And part four, I think it's not a surprise, it's about Chernobyl. And this was a very difficult uh, chapter for me because I was crying a lot when I was writing, when I was writing this chapter. I uh, decided to look into the sources uh, that were, um, uh, the, the texts that were written by, uh, um, let's say, uh, that were more people oriented, but uh, uh, from this area, but, uh, uh, I, I was uh, working uh, with uh, Alexievich Chernobyl prayer, but also uh, she was able to extend her narrative into a trauma that I, I try to, to use this concept of uh, ecological trauma that, uh, uh, that, uh, uh, that uh, th this trauma affected humans, but also environments. But also animals, and animals are are a big, uh, in fact, uh, group uh, of characters in in my book as well, and historical actors. And the last uh, and the last uh, uh, part, the last uh, big chapter, is about memory sites, sites of genocide, and uh, I think this is the the part, perhaps. Um, not uh, uh, not very often you can you can find in environmental historical books uh, parts uh, which deal with memory studies. So I I try also to to use this concept of memory as broad as I can, 
And within this memory, I am asking also this question of environmental memory. But table of contents is one, uh, uh, one way of looking uh, into my book. And the second is the index. I spent a lot of time on the index. This index is not only name based, but it's, it's a conceptual index. So if you would like to know more about my um, the, 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 the questions or the heavy concepts and, um, uh, and poetics also of, uh, of this book, you can start with the index and you will see that animals are a big term there but also forests and uh, disturbed landscape. This is also a term that I, that I coined for, for, this, uh, for this region and many others. And I think I, uh, I extended a little bit my uh, 15 minutes. So I would like to, uh, uh, to open the discussion because uh, this is what I am uh, here, uh, I am here for for listening to your questions and and continue maybe some uh, initial uh, introductory remarks that I make. Great, thank you very much, Anna. And um, for those in the audience, then if you have a question that you'd like to pose, you can just indicate in chat that you have a question, and we can call on you. Uh, and you can ask it yourself, or you can type out your question into the chat and I'll ask it for you either way. Um, but I'll just start with some questions of my own that came up um, as you were presenting the book to begin with. Um, so you mentioned the cover of the book. Can you tell us about the image that's on the cover and why that particular image, um, you know, why you wanted that one? So this is the uh, very well-known picture, in fact, especially after HBO series on uh, Chernobyl, because it's a, uh, it's a depiction of uh, Pripyat uh, uh, from the playground. And, uh, and I think it's very melancholic. And it's very, um, uh, it's not only about, for me, it's not only uh, about the abandoned uh, uh, post-atomic, uh, uh, post-nuclear city, uh, or, uh, which Chernobyl was not the only one, but I think it's because of this melancholia and uh, melancholy is, uh, I think, part of this book as well. And, uh, and this, um, Poetics of melancholy is part of extending the sensitivity uh, for grasping the uncanniness of, of, of Chernobyl. And, uh, and I deal with, uh, uh, with Chernobyl not as uh, not explaining what happened, yes, but I am dealing with Chernobyl as uh, mm, as uh, uh, phenomena, uh, cultural phenomena, or even a powerful cultural response to the catastrophe. So this is what interests me. Well, so I think it's, it's interesting there because you mentioned in the intro um, sadness and how that you know pervades this book and here melancholy um, in this answer. So. Um, as as an academic then um who's trying to tell a story about environmental cultures how did you yeah harness that 
sadness. You know, um, you said that you cried through writing um, the chapter. So how how does one do that in a in a productive um, way um, in your you know experience? I, I shouldn't maybe share that with you because <laughs> because now it's a, it's a very difficult question for me. But um, uh, but I think that um, uh, on the on the one hand, I think I was uh, uh, sad and happy at the same time because I found texts, uh, literary cultural texts that responded to this catastrophe in a way that I thought um, um, uh, it tells something very powerful about the resistance of this culture that is not only, it's not only a Soviet uh, uh, cultures in plural, in fact, uh, left uh, um, a lot of, um, uh, a lot of, uh, uh, Criticism, or I would say, even rebellion, re, uh, revolutionary rebellion, which which was not connected with the Soviet fantasy or utopia, and this uh, powerful criticism uh, is uh, the, is the uh, is the fuel of this book. So I was, so I was, as I said, happy and sad because, uh, for example, the the text that I probably cried the most with. Is the text of uh, Svetlana Alexievich Chernobyl Prayer, and it's because the author, uh, uh, in her polyphonic form of uh, giving voices to people who were uh, uh, who were affected by by Chernobyl, and uh, uh, but also giving voice to herself as a as a, report, a, re a reporter, but uh, but it's uh, it's a question uh, to to what kind of voice she's giving herself uh, to speak of. But she uh, she gives voice uh, to uh, animal victims, to environments that could not be resettled, uh, the, the environments that were uh, that were affected, that were contaminated, but could not be resettled like like people. So these parts of Chernobyl prayer and the stories that, in fact, it's not only in Alexievich, but it's uh, it's in cultural memory of Chernobyl people. It's uh, it's something that is very traumatic. Uh, um, that the animals that that uh, that were left, the uh, the contaminated soil, and uh, all the affected areas, and uh, and something very weird happened here. So, so, so this book is very, so this narrative, Alexievich narrative, it was very powerful uh, for me because of giving this voice to voiceless uh, and it was very important. So on the topic of voices then, so you mentioned in your introduction that you know, one of the things that made you write this book was this was an area, I mean, geographic area really that was dominated by this English language scholarship that came from Anglo-American scholars. So what would you say are then the, the things that distinguishes your book? I mean, in terms of findings uh, and uh, results and arguments that differs from this, this other tradition then? 
I'm not sure if it's uh, uh, if it's a tradition, but uh, but uh, just uh, uh, maybe to clarify a little bit, I uh, I polemicize uh, with um, with this disaster narrative that uh, that was written on Soviet. Uh, it was in fact uh, uh, the uh, a lot of historical economical and in this Cold War, let's say, uh, pattern uh, books were written. And uh, they contain a lot of information and I think a huge work was done. And I also use these books like, like Josephson, for example, uh, Feshbach, uh, the, the, the earlier books like Feshbach, for example. Uh, but uh, uh, my idea was that uh, there is, uh, there are so many um, responses that are on the um, on the verge of what is historical, what is cultural, what is uh, what belongs to people's memory that, uh, uh, in fact, uh, is activated uh, um, uh, after the collapse of the Soviet period. That it needs to be. Uh, it needs to be reflected. Uh, it needs to be uh, uh, somehow gathered and uh, collected. And uh, uh, and my approach was also uh, I was looking for. Uh, I asked this question, which maybe it's a metaphoric question, but for me it's very important. How to make environments speak? Because I thought that. It's always uh, when we have parts of, you know, uh, tra traumatic, uh, traumatized uh, regions. Uh, uh, Soviet Eastern Europe is not the only one, and I try not to essentialize it. But on the other hand, because of the sources and because of the archive, that environments are also archives. There is some essentialism in this book uh, as well. But I was trying to um, uh, repose this question, reposition this question, and ask how to, um, uh, what kind of sources, uh, uh, which are mostly not purely historical sources, yes, can give voice to uh, to landscapes that were uh, uh, that were that were disturbed, that were um, uh, part of the. Soviet project, Soviet is a project of Sovietization and colonization, and uh, in in uh, in history and uh, in in uh, especially in in memory, in cultural memory, which is also a key term in this book. Um, uh, when people speak about their traumas, they speak with environments very often. Uh, so uh, so and they also commemorate with environments. So there is also another concept that I, I try to activate in this book. It's also environmental memory, memory that is uh, connected with ecological scars that are not only on people's you know, psyche, but also uh, in landscapes. And there is some very interesting tension between, uh, uh, and this perhaps can be, uh, uh, I think the most difficult, the most complex issue in this book uh, between the, the scar, uh, between the, uh, this intersection uh, of the textual source and environmental archive. 
material archive, like the forests that were you know, uh, uh, affected uh, by, uh, uh, by different ecological uh, disasters, but also by violence, like genocide. And uh, so this is, so I think this is, this is, uh, uh, this could be maybe the heaviest part that I, I, uh, I couldn't find in historical, environmental historical books. Yeah, I think that uh, coming to, um, to thinking about that it's not just a, a political or an economic or even a social history, but it's in fact, uh, well as the title you know an environmental culture right it's a it's it's something that has all these cultural artifacts as well um whether that's in literature or in art or in the stories that we tell um and that would make it a very different approach than what i've seen also from um environmental historians who've, who've written about that period so um inna you have a question i'll unmute you here Good afternoon, everybody. Uh, Anna, thank you for this book. I haven't read it, but uh, I um, have managed to uh, read some some parts of the book, and I can see the content. Uh, just actually, it is uh, it. This book is really urgent because uh, um, it provides a compar compar comparative analysis of the uh, environmental cultures of the of eastern culture east uh, eastern european cultures mm, just and um, uh, i have some questions and the first and if i may the first question about uh, about the religious component. Some years ago, I was writing the uh, just article about the uh, environment, Ukrainian environmental culture and the religion and the religion components which influence uh, which influenced uh, influence the environmental culture of Ukraine. Uh, it uh, I pointed out about the um, old pagan Slavic beliefs, Christian beliefs, and Soviet industrialization as a kind of just as a version of religious of uh, did you manage to avoid this religious com uh, component maybe in some of your chapters do you do you refer to this uh, to this component mm -hmm. thank you Ina and it's nice to see you once again uh, um, uh, I I think that uh, I didn't uh, uh, in in the in the because I I haven't still told you about the constellation of the text that I also that that there are some guiding texts for me, but uh, 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 but of course religion and what is uh, if I understood correctly the this uh, religious component. It belongs to the pre-Soviet past, and it's uh, and it's somehow it's it's also part of the uh, what uh, especially the the Stalin project wanted uh, uh, to uh, to the root uh, was this uh, rural culture and uh, and this connection with the soil, but also the connection with. Uh, what is transcendental in uh, uh, in Russian literature in such texts like Zabolotsky that I am uh, also dealing with. Mm -hmm. 
but uh, it wasn't an issue as such for me. Uh, 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 I, I can tell you why. Because uh, I was interested when I was uh, uh, in the, uh, when uh, the, uh, the 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 uh, for me culture the concept of culture is uh, something that uh, this uh, uh, disclosed a new face for me uh, throughout uh, also uh, writing this book because uh, I think that. Uh, uh, mm, Culture for me stopped being just uh, cultural. <laughs> I, I I know maybe it's it's very uh, uh, it's uh, it, it sounds a little bit uh, uh, simplifying, but uh, I started to think in assemblage, in um, in coalitions, and uh, I stopped uh, thinking of culture as that uh, as a literary scholar also, and uh, a scholar of humanities, yes. Uh, I was, you know, I came, uh, uh, I, I, um, when I was doing my research uh, for this book, I had some text that I was very, you know, very excited about, yes. But while, uh, uh, while um, writing this book and thinking about it, and, uh, and it was a kind of process, I stopped thinking that culture is, uh, is, is just cultural. So even if there are some remains of religion in this pastoral, uh, uh, peasant uh, uh, culture that I deal with uh, in, the, uh, in the second uh, part of the book, mm -hmm. in fact, they are interesting for me only from the perspective of where is the, the, the bond or where the bond is broken between humans and environments or nature. Because I use some uh, concepts that are old fashioned, I have to admit, but I try to, um, how to put it, like I, I uh, take them because they appear in the literature, like nature, for example, or pastoral tropes, yes. But what is going on with them throughout, you know, what Soviet period does with them and how, it, how they get contaminated uh, uh, and what is left out of them. It's not pastoral and nature anymore as uh, we in this romanticized, let's say, uh, uh, image. Um, so I'm not sure if, if, if I... If, if I uh, um, uh, if I answered your question, but religion is not part of this yes. book in this phenomena of environmental mm -hmm. cultures that I am tracing and um, yes. yes, and can I or just two little two little questions one more. Mm -hmm. uh, the first one, uh, Anna, about Andrei Platonov's speed uh, to be or I haven't read your book, but I see it I think that uh, it is a little bit um, part. it stands a little bit apart from all the books you included just because it doesn't maybe you explained it in your chapters why you considered to take uh, Platonov's bid uh, uh, just because it is out of Soviet uh, out of uh, Ukrainian Poland and uh, Hungarian uh, Polish and Hungarian literature just it is the first one about Platonov just Russian 
just the representative of Russian, uh, yes, Soviet literature, but can you explain this uh, moment? And the second one about, for the first time, I have seen the word Stalin as seen. Uh, just can you comment on about Stalin as seen? Is it the Soviet industrialization or something, or maybe something different? Mm -hmm. Is it so? Platonov is a very important text for me, and uh, and this um, and this book is not only. Uh, I didn't. I think uh, it's good that you are asking me this, Ina, because um, I include Russia, but I try not to uh, put Russia as a dominant. Uh, uh, so this is very important for me to balance and to show that uh, usually we have. Uh, um, studies on Soviet Russia and, uh, and, uh, uh, um, and we have this uh, uh, dominance of not only Soviet but also Russia. And I don't uh, really, I think it's not fair. I mean, even now in Russia, Russians are like, uh, you can maybe correct me, but it's like 50 something percent of all the people, different people in republics of, uh, uh, of uh, great Russia today. <laughs> So, uh, uh, but uh, when we say Russian literature, there are authors that are interesting for me. Uh, and uh, Platonov is one of those authors who uh, uh, is, uh, um, who was the, uh, who, who's an evidence or a testimony of uh, of someone who believed in Soviet project because uh, uh, the foundation bit, I don't know if you are familiar with this text, this text was translated into English and it's really a very, it's a very strong, powerful narrative. It is happening in the early Stalin uh, uh, period. And, uh, and it is about, uh, 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 it is about this very beginning of, uh, how this utopian and totalitarian project, uh, uh, in fact, uh, uh, goes beyond uh, what what is only you know, let's say, economic or uh, what is only uh, an industrial enterprise or uh, whatever this this uh, Soviet uh, uh, Stalinistic. A project was because it's it's hard uh, to uh, to say what was it in fact. Uh, it was it was so uh, unbelievable. But but this this uh, narrative Platonov narrative, it is an evidence for me of totalitarian narrative that uh, goes beyond uh, uh, human private lives. And it go and it also it affects environments, and it's totalitarian not only for human society but also for um, for society extended society if we include environments and environmental actors. So 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 just uh, just to be clear in in this book, it's true. And thank you for this voice uh, that Hungary and Ukraine, Belarus, and uh, and some and uh, some uh, regional aspects of voices like Silesia are represented. 
but there are also Russian uh, uh, poets and literary voices uh, that uh, that create this constellation of culture of uh, Soviet uh, uh, cultures, uh, Soviet period cultural resistance, and this is quite important for me. So, um, what about this Stalinocene, I guess, that Ina brought up? So, I assume it's related um, in this sense to this um, totalitarianism and a making of the world into a particular mold um, under Stalin. So, was there a particular reason for you to use that or as a concept? Uh, so uh, this Stalin period of time, I think it's uh, I think it's exceptional be because of the uh, uh, because of the cultural response as well, and uh, um, and it's uh, it's exceptional. And I even I uh, I tried to uh, differentiate it, and I said that. Um, it can be even named as the Stalinism. It can be named because um, it has this kind of uh, uh, ontological and epistemological, let's say, uh, reference, cultural reference in, uh, in sources uh, that, uh, that uh, it brings the idea of uh, a, total, a totalitarian and totalitar uh, in this totalitarian sense, different reality, and uh, and something happened. Something that probably uh, uh, happened only in this uh, in the in the region uh, of uh, uh, of Eastern Europe, and especially uh, in Ukraine, and especially in Belarus. Because these countries were uh, uh, were uh, were the um, the victimhood of these countries perforated uh, so deeply uh, that it goes beyond. And this is what I try to describe. Uh, it it uh, it goes beyond uh, uh, human tragedy, but it's also the tragedy of the soil. It's also the tragedy of the landscape. And I think the Holodomor, as uh, we we know, uh, uh, that this this is the uh, this this can be interpreted as not only genocide that Stalin uh, projected, yes, uh, that Stalin planned against uh, people, uh, but it was also uh, uh, it was also addressed uh, toward uh, environments and uh, uh, and very important triad for pre-Soviet uh, period of time, not only Russia, of course, but uh, for this phenomena of peasantry in Eastern Europe, in fact, this rural culture, this triad of animals, humans, and soil was, was just destroyed by, by Stalin. And and uh, uh, and I think that's why I am. Uh, for me, the Stalinosan uh, is very important from this perspective. Of course, the other side of this uh, uh, Stalinism uh, in uh, and environmental culture is uh, all those 
grant industrial projects that were uh, uh, that were described in environmental history quite quite well, uh, but uh, uh, but for me uh, the most important is this uh, this peasantry, this rural uh, culture uh, destruction and collectivization as the the end of you know the the, the story of. Uh, of ending this rural culture. Thanks. Um, Darius, you have a question. Uh, good afternoon. Uh, thank you, Anna, for inviting me to this event. And the concept of the book is very, very interesting. Uh, while I was uh, listening, uh, I especially, especially like the part about Chernobyl, because this is uh, a very interesting and a topic which is close to me. And uh, my question is maybe uh, easy, but I would like to ask if, if it is possible to get this book in Polish in the future, because, uh, you know, not, not everyone in Poland uh, speak and read in, in English. So I, I've got a question. Are you planning to prepare a Polish version or, uh, because the concept is quite interesting and the gripping. And uh, while I was listening uh, when you discussed about the book, uh, I was confused because I haven't uh, read it yet. But uh, my question is, is it possible that you will prepare it in Polish version? Thank you very much. Thank you, Darius. Uh, I, I think that uh, I haven't planned it because uh, uh, in Polish, probably it would be a different book. I, uh, I made some decisions for English reader or for, let's say, English reader, it means today that, you know, I, 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 uh, I wrote a book in, uh, in Latin, in contemporary Latin, so I wanted to communicate some ideas faster. Yes, I, I, I made some shortcuts. And for such, you know, sophisticated readers as you, probably, I would, I would need to develop more some arguments, but what this may be encouraging is the selection of the text that uh, there are some texts from Polish that I translated. And I think they are worthy revisiting. Uh, uh, so for example, uh, the last chapter, maybe the most hopeful chapter <laughs> is the Białowieża because, uh, 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 <clears throat> because the, the Białowieża forest is, uh, uh, it, it's like it escapes the political and uh, economical borders and uh, and uh, it's a tiny stamp uh, in comparison to, to Russian forests of course on the map in the map when you will when you can just see the Białowieża where is it but it's a it's a very precious and it's like it's a resource of uh, of Polish uh, well somehow colonial culture also uh, when great Poland in the uh, in the beginning with the let's say uh, uh, 14th century until 18th century was you know a, a totally different uh, political entity and uh, so it is it is uh, it is uh, uh, it is a text of culture that functions in uh, and has this great Polish roots, yes, but, um, uh, but even, even uh, I think this chapter was, uh, uh, <laughs> uh, was uh, uh, 
written to depolonize, <laughs> to, to demilitarize, to um, uh, the patriarchal, the, the, yes, the, so to make it less uh, for sure, to, to, uh, uh, to get rid of this uh, uh, military uh, history of it and to make the forest speak, yes, and not only because uh, it has this, you know, Polish literature, yes, but because it belongs to uh, eastern borderlands uh, of Europe, and, uh, and because it was so, you know, so important for when the, uh, when the Sovietization and this uh, let's say the, uh, the victimhood, the, the contamination uh, of propaganda language was so massive that this, this forest you know, started to play a different, uh, a different role. It started to speak in its own uh, uh, voice. So, um, but thank you, Darius, <laughs> for this encouragement. <laughs> I will think about it. <laughs> All right. Um, and so, Mariana, you have a question. Hi, yes. Hi, Anna. Thank you so much for the invitation for your book launch and congratulations. I, like others, I also haven't had a chance to read the book yet. Uh, and I actually didn't know about its existence until yesterday. <laughs> so uh, thank you for sharing that. And I, I'm, I'm really um, looking forward to reading it. But my question to you is actually, uh, uh, if about um, the collectivization of agriculture that you mentioned, because I'm just extremely curious if you could like give us a glimpse of how you approach it in the book. Uh, so, you know, we, you can pick our interests and, and, and hopefully to read it. And I just for context, I wanted to maybe say that uh, uh, recently in Polish uh, scholarship, we can kind of observe a lot of interest around the topics of, of serfdom and peasantry. There's been kind of this uh, revival of these historical topics a lot um, in historical studies and not only. Uh, and I wonder, how do you approach uh, the collectivization of agriculture in your book from an environmental history perspective? Because I can see many uh, possibilities of where this could go. So I would like uh, to ask you this question because I'm very curious and thank you for sharing. Uh, thank you, thank you, Mariana. Um... So as I, as I mentioned, for me, collectivization cannot be approached without, uh, uh, without going, uh, 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 going uh, or uh, recreating this uh, history of peasantry and the roots of uh, peasants and rural culture. Uh, because uh, when, um, uh, when you are a historian, you know that for uh, Eastern Europe, the, uh, this, uh, uh, the agriculture was part of uh, this region, in fact, uh, economical uh, uh, power, yes, especially, you know, in 16th century, like the, the uh, uh, Poland was uh, the biggest exporter of the crops uh, in, uh, to Western uh, Europe. Uh, but also uh, not only 16th century, but uh, uh, but also because of the material landscape, because of the uh, uh, because of the what I call the archive, yes, of the of the soil, 
this agricultural landscape is uh, uh, is part of the uh, is is uh, uh, Eastern European heritage that uh, uh, in the Soviet period and through collectivization and mostly the most the most tragic history uh, is uh, is about Ukraine, Belarus, and uh, inland Russia. Uh, uh, this rural culture was uh, uh, was really um, very tragically uh, broken. So, uh, so I'm I am trying to retell this story, and uh, I am uh, and I think you encourage me maybe to find uh, uh, or maybe to uh, to read you a, a short uh, uh, passage. So, so you can have. Uh, a bit of taste uh, of uh, uh, where then where my um, uh, how I how I am doing this and uh, uh, and perhaps I can give you an um, an example from the Platonov speed because uh, uh, this is the, the the part that it's about collectivization of not only humans but also animal world. So animals are also part of this contaminated uh, history, contaminated language, and how uh, how literature also translates these events uh, uh, in, uh, in in the narrative. And uh, and I will try to find uh, a passage that uh, uh, that will uh, that will be. Uh, uh, so, um, so just a short uh, passage. Uh, uh, the foundation pit, uh, the world of people and nature either dies, its language does not distinguish the deaths of humans from those of non-humans, or is subjected to the newspeak ideology of collectivization. Aesthetics collide with propaganda, especially when Platonov poeticizes the demise of village and its multi-species inhabitants. And here is a quotation, a quote from Platonov. Cows and horses were lying in these yards, their carcasses gaping and rotting, and the heat of life accumulated during long years beneath the sun was still seeping out from them into the air into the shared wintry space, end of quotation. While animals who are called working class, like a tamed bear on the farm or the socialized horses are part of the broader acquiescence of nature. Such compliance is expressed only in the contaminated language of the character's delusions. And uh, uh, I read just a passage from uh, this, uh, I would say, uh, the, one of the most, uh, uh, another very sad moment in the, in the history of, of collectivization when, uh, uh, when the starvation, uh, the history of starvation of people uh, um, is very naturalistically portrayed. And what happens uh, between how the this, uh, uh, the bonds between let's say the farm animals and humans uh, they got distorted, but uh, distorted in a very 
uh, horrific sense. And, uh, and these are the stories that also historians, of course, tell, but also Platonov in, in his narrative tells the story of this collective, collective voice, but also um, uh, uh, horrific history of the ruin uh, rural culture. Great um, example there. So John, we'll give you the last question here. Hi, well, I'm in the happy position. I have read it. I've read it twice. Um, and so much so as it actually I own up that I, I have a have a, um, a praise of the book of it on the back of the book. And very, I have to abbreviate my question. And the question, I suppose, in essence is, um, how would you, how Anna, would you characterize the polemic of your book? On the back, uh, when I had to write this quite quickly, I called it elegiac. And that elegiac both captures some of the sadness, but it's also about requiring memory. You're, you're not studying memory, but requiring memory. You're involving us in the act of, of memory. And then I had a difficulty and I, I didn't really resolve it. And I wrote um, dispassionate writing, controlled but deeply engaged. And in dispassionate, I put the dis into brackets. So it's both passionate and it's dispassionate in that you don't, you don't deliberately, as it were, act as a prophet. You're not, this is not a book that, that is the vo in the voice of a prophet, though it can be used by others as a work of prophecy. But I just wondered whether you were consciously, um, as it were, seeking to speak for those who were victims of all this, including the, 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 the natural world, um, the flora and, and fauna, um, whether you are privileging that over, as it were, teaching us lessons about what we need to do now. So it's really the question is, how polemical do you acknowledge your book to be? Thank you, John. Um, uh, uh, I think that uh, uh, it's, um, I would uh, now, uh, under uh, your question, uh, I would split the polemic that I made with historians that uh, I, I thought that it's important to, to say that there is something new that I can offer also uh, within environmental history. But, uh, uh, but, it, but I think it's important for me that the polemics is also what does it mean today that people um, of the former Soviet countries are wounded? And this uh, uh, without that history is not enough. Memory for me is a more lively and you know uh, a concept of organic concept, very dynamic and it and it works all the time, you know. So, uh, so maybe uh, we can understand better some uh, environmental resistance of former, you know, Soviet uh, people from this uh, societies from this from these countries. Yes, especially when we have today's discussion between Western and Eastern, because we are dealing also with people who are really who have very traumatic. Uh, histories, memories, and they are very suspicious, and uh, they will still be. I am. <laughs> so, uh, so I think it's quite important that uh, that uh, this this can be um, uh, this can be more contemporary, uh, more uh, 
um, a fresh, let's say, um, uh, perception of how to interpret this book now. All right, uh, I think that's a good note to end on. So uh, thank you to everyone. Uh, so especially to you, Anna, for talking about your book, uh, Environmental Cultures mm -hmm. of Soviet East Europe. Uh, and also thank you to everyone in the audience, both those of you who are here for the first time, but I would say a particularly big thank you to all the regulars who've been to, there's some who've been to pretty much every single one of the 38 book talks we've had this last academic year. So we're uh, very glad to have you. So. And everyone's always welcome to come. We are going to continue um, in the autumn 2021. So you're welcome to come to a talk anytime. <laughs>